Welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm Richard Hatchett, Senior Nurse Editor at RCNI, which produces the Nursing Standard and a nurse by background. And today I'm talking to Professor Katie Featherston, Director of the Geller Institute of Aging and Memory at the University of West London. And Katie and her team recently published ethnographic research in dementia care, exploring a common but poorly understood aspect of care for people living with dementia during a hospital admission, and that is their continence care. For 180 days across 12 months, Katie and her team observed care in six wards within three hospitals, two wards at each hospital across England and Wales. And they used the term pad cultures to describe the observed everyday and routine use of continence pads as a precautionary strategy in the care of people living with dementia. This is regardless of their continence and independence. A strategy viewed by staff as essential to provide safeguards, ensure containment and prevent accidents or incontinence episodes, but with an expectation that patients living with dementia not only wear pads, but that they could and should use the pad. Well, welcome, Katie. I think it's easy to get into the findings of the research, but can we go back a step and start with what was the impetus behind the research and the aim? Hi, Richard. Yes, uh, great to be here. Um, yeah, well, the team and I were carrying out another study looking at um, the care of people with dementia in acute wards. And we we were, you know, I was there in the ward observing a, um, a bay and just, it just occurred to me that I was suddenly starting to see that people weren't leaving the bedside and they weren't leaving the bedside for quite a long time during a shift. And I started to think about what was what was going on and realised that actually people weren't walking to the toilet. They weren't going to the toilet. And I wondered what that was about and whether they could go to the toilet or what was the what was going on there. And I also started to see that continence care was a massive part of the everyday work of nurses and healthcare assistants in the shift. But it was also something that was very undiscussed. It was very, um, or that the team, when I talked to them about continence care, they described it as heavy work. They described it as difficult work. And that started to kind of make me think that this was something that, you know, was really important for people, but was really um, difficult to discuss for people with dementia, their families, but also for the staff working in the wards. So that kind of set me off on thinking there's something there that, you know, maybe we should be doing some research on and thinking about it and then Richard I, I started to look at the literature and well we know a couple of things we know people with dementia are a really significant population in our hospital wards and we also know that they're really a high risk of deterioration in, in during an admission as well so that I started to think about whether continence care was a factor in that and when you look at the bigger picture, the bigger data, it tells us that actually a lot of people leave hospital, people with dementia leave hospital with incontinence who went in as continent. So the biggest story tells us about up to about 60 percent of people living with dementia who were continent and admission leave with incontinence. And I wondered whether there was something about 
care about cultures of care that might be contributing. So if we know those 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 figures, well, what does that mean for people? Well, that probably means that they're being institutionalised. It might be very difficult for families to care for them, but it might mean you know that that's something that we might be able to actually um, change if we think about care, if we think about supporting staff properly. So they were all the kind of the the ways I started to think around continence care and its centrality to to um to high quality care okay before we as i say move on to to um perhaps looking at the findings and everybody will be interested in mm. i'm interested that you used ethnography which we know um as the study of a culture I, i'm wondering why that methodology um thanks richard yeah um well you know i am an ethnographer <laughs> so my um my go-to is ethnography but I think that's mainly because I'm kind of interested in those questions that are, are harder to answer using kind of the um, perhaps more traditional um, methods or research methods used within the NHS. Um, and really, I'm interested in, in cultures and their consequences. Why do we do what we do? How does work organise us and make us work in particular ways and deliver deliver care in particular ways? Um, so. And I think once I started to look at the bigger literature around continence care for people with dementia, what I really could see was we know the very high end big picture of we know the levels of people, we know outcomes, we know around about um, uh, levels of incontinence. But what we really don't know from any of that literature was really why that might be happening. And we really need to know why if we're going to start to, to change it and support staff or to or to change cultures. So that was one aspect. But also, obviously, continence care is really, as we found out just by my observing in that earlier studies, it's very hidden work. It's behind screens. It's very undiscussed work. Continence and incontinence are very undiscussed areas of work. So you really need those methods that can start to look at the hard to capture in other ways and I think that's where ethnography really um, allows us to see the bigger picture it can it allows us to see what's happening but also can look at kind of before and after it can show us why people might be working in that way but also look at the longer term consequences as well during a shift but also for for people for patients but also for staff over time and it's about getting that that broader context. We might, you know, as a researcher, I can I can name pad cultures, but it's really about looking at why that might be happening, and what are the consequences, and thinking about how, how we might be able to change that. So for me, that's where ethnography really gives us that bigger picture of care and context. I think is what we need if we're to support nurses and healthcare assistants to to deliver care in different ways, but also to identify the challenges that they face working within those very constrained institutions of the hospitals. Mm. I'm wondering um, what the study therefore revealed and um, what was maybe expected, what was surprising? 
Um, well, I think we we did have an indication, obviously, from, you know, just from observing the wards before in a previous study where we saw this kind of the, the, the lack of access to toilets. But also from the bigger picture, is we, 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 we knew there was something going on there. But I think we were surprised by the level of pad cultures that were really, really dominated in all, all the wards we um, we observed. That sense that it was assumed that people with dementia um, required pads and an assumption of incontinence. Um, so I think that was surprising to us. I think also how silenced that work was. Um, for us, the communication of continence was that we observed was very, very narrow, very silenced. Staff found it very difficult to talk about continence care and to talk about continence care to their patients. Um, and also the fact that we we found that I think staff felt very, very alone and described to us how isolated and alone and how heavy continence care work was. I think I didn't quite realise how significant continence care was in the everyday work of the wards. But once I started to look at it, it became absolutely central. But also how central it is to the in the work of the wards, in the work of nurses and healthcare assistants, but also how central it is for dignity and for outcomes for patients. I'm wondering what overall, therefore, because obviously we're thinking about how can research mm. change practice, the, the impact of it. What do you think overall the research is saying about care? You've touched on it a bit, but I'm thinking about uh, the individual involved, the, the system they work mm. in on the organisational culture, because obviously you're you're essentially studying maybe the beliefs and values, I don't know, but what do you think research is saying about, about care? Yeah, I think, I think for us, culture of wards is really central. And what we found is there's a, there are a couple of kind of really powerful aspects of, um, of hospital cultures that are have a really profound effect on nurses and healthcare assistants, but also have really knock-on consequences for, for, for patients. So I think there's a really powerful driver of the timetables of the wards, that work has to be done in particular ways and particular order. And staff have a very, um, ward staff fear falling behind. It's a very powerfully felt um, experience of working in an acute ward, the fear of falling behind with the timetables. And continence care is something that can really trigger staff and feeling that they're falling behind. That need for um, responding to urgent care was something that staff found particularly difficult. And I think that's something we have to really start to unpack is people with dementia need urgent care, they need care that doesn't fit into those timetables as neatly as, as perhaps you or I might be able to, to, to fit into other people's timetables. I think that's something we really need to start to shift in the wards. The other thing is around risk. Um, a, a really significant metric in um, ward safety is, is falls, number of falls in the ward. And staff really feared um, staff falling, uh, uh, staff um, really feared patients with dementia falling during their shifts. And one aspect that they managed that was by keeping people at the bedside. And again, continence care and use of pads is a way to, to keep people safe at the bedside, but 
that might work during that shift and during that admission, but it has those longer term impacts of affecting people's continents. So I think the aspect of the organisation of the ward around timetables, but also issues around risk and how we manage risk for vulnerable patients is also really key here. So I think it's perhaps something around the organisation and delivery of care kind of fundamentally in these wards, we need to shift to support um, people with dementia who are now one of the biggest populations in our wards. Sorry, Richard, that was quite a long, um, <laughs> a long response to your question. But I think I think it's, in some ways my short answer is it's complicated. It's, it's around uh, the expectations of the organisations that need to shift. But also um, we need to think about how we can support staff to deliver care differently and to 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 hold that anxiety of falling behind. But and to do so in a way that that, that fits their patients. Because the, the logical question you've started to move into that is what needs to change, but you almost think, can it change? Because you've touched on some very powerful um, barriers, drivers, you know, the, mm. prep, the time, the fear of um, uh, skewing, not skewing metrics, that's what I mean, but, but um, mm. affecting metrics with falls, etc. because what they're doing essentially works in a certain way. It prevents certain things happening, but it's not very patient-centred, it's not very person-centred. So yeah. I suppose the question is, what needs to change and what, what can change? Yeah, and I, and I think one thing that we we found in the study is you know absolutely staff have a um a massive fear of falling behind that they and and also a massive fear of falls so those things combined give staff an awful lot of anxiety about during a shift but also anxiety around change so i think we need to, a couple of things we need um leadership in hospitals to really think about and prioritize continence care it has it's almost invisible in our um, in our hospitals. Continence care is never discussed. It's everywhere, but it's absolutely invisible within those um, wider institutional cultures. So you can go into a ward and you can see pads and packets of pads everywhere, and um, uh, all the equipment is highly that used in continence care is pretty much the most uh, visible technology in in our general acute wards but as a as a, a practice as a key aspect of care continence care is absolutely invisible from those kind of the the institutions or the leadership of hospitals and I think that's something we really have to change hospitals need to show their leadership those senior nurses need to show their leadership and say continence care is significant it's significant for um, care quality, it's significant for output, for outcomes, and it's significant for dignity and exper good experiences of care. And if we can get continence care right, actually for any patient in the hospital, then you're going to get better outcomes, better experiences, better dignity of care. And I think that's something we really need to see is that kind of leadership where continence care becomes visible as essential care, not basic care. And then I think we can start to see uh, wards 
taking that on and starting to think about how they can take ownership and start think about how they might do things differently. So this was obviously part of um, sorry, Richard, that, that, again, that was a long that was a no, long response as well. Not at all, not at all. Um, what further research is needed then, Katie? Because this was research that was uh, you talked about prior research. One presumes mm. this isn't where it ends. Absolutely, and I think this is really important, Richard. It is. It's. It's. We've we've published our report, but that's just the start. Absolutely, we cannot end with that. So the next stage is we're working particularly with one um, acute trust, um, a health board in Wales, working closely with them to um, really start to work with the senior nursing teams, the uh, specialist dementia nurses, the uh, continence care nurses to really start to say within this trust, um, this health board, continence care is a priority. When we start to do that, then we can also start to um, deliver training, but also work with individual wards to support them and think, how can we start to, to deliver care, continence care differently? How can we su support them so it's doable? I don't want to go in and say these are the interventions we need. I want to support and work with nursing teams so they can they can take the research and go. This is how we need to, to work differently. This is workable. This is doable during our shifts. Um, and I think once we start to do that and work out what's possible, then we can start to um, develop interventions that can support other wards and other health boards and trust more widely. But I think it's now up to taking this research to um, to hospitals, taking it to wards and ward teams and helping and working with them to see how we might work together to do things differently. So on that point of dissemination, can listeners access that research? It's free to access? Uh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So they can um, download the report free from the, it's open access from um, NIHR website, but also if they go to uh, the Geller Institute of Ageing and Memory website, um, you can Google either, and then the report's free to download there as well as open access. Uh, so there are uh, plenty of avenues. I think we've got a, an audio version available on our website as well, of the, 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 key, the key summaries as well. And also we'll put on the website under this. Brilliant. Podcast. Yeah, some links for people to have a look at. Professor Katie Featherston, Director of the Geller Institute of Ageing and Memory, thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Richard. And thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that all the resources connected with this episode of the show can be found at rcni.com forward slash podcast, where you can also catch up on any episodes you may have missed or simply want to play back. And we greatly appreciate any feedback, so please do rate or review us on Apple or Spotify podcasts, which will also help other people to find us. I hope you enjoyed the show. Music